from Koreatown. It's the Ozone on a sunny 80-degree day in Los Angeles. Ladies and gentlemen, you're somewhere cold, and we're not. Don't be jealous. We just wanted to share the warmth. When we have the fires, you don't complain like you want some of that. That's what the Alala is all about. It is. The Lala. Sound like you said that's what Allah is all about. Oh, no, no. I give you a Lala. Not uh, a Allah. I, 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 I didn't convert. <laughs> Jesus Christo all day, baby. All day, all night. Aww. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother from the same mother, Terry Miller, better known as the Icons with a Z. Ikizies. What's the word? You got it. Let's do it. Let's do this, brother. Let's do we, it. Fluid. We got a, a, a lot to cover. We've we been do. off the mic for a little bit, and the world has gone crazy as of last year when they elected Donald Cheeto. <laughs> but they also went crazy in this past week because there's all kinds of stuff happening. We got to talk about the NFL and the double standard that seems to be that uh, one quarterback with a 91.8 quarterback rating was sat down this week. I think you know what we're talking about. We had the international incident going down in China that Cheeto was actually involved in. Looks like he might have done the right thing for once. Um, he's looking for praise for it, of course, but right. looks like he might have done the right now, thing. Do you, do you think that's the right thing? Uh, to a certain degree. I, th- this is what we need to speak on about okay. it. Speak on uh, it. We, had, we had a great fight last weekend with Danny Jacobs uh, shutting up Arias. Which is, he said he was going to do, and he did it. The kid ran. He, it was a, a total... Disgusting. Yeah, I wasn't. You saw my face. But we had some interesting heavyweight action that popped off from that as well. Uh, Big Baby Millard, who's somebody who's trying to make some noise in the heavyweight division, got in there and threw his weight around. And our favorite sport is wrapping up. We just had the World Series. It's a little bit of a, a World Series hangover from the coverage side. But there's a little bit more because it's ward season for the Major League Baseball uh, players. And we got Cy Youngs, we got MVPs, we got Rookies of the Year, and a lot of them come from the big markets. We got that to talk about, ladies and germs. We also got a little college football to talk about, but I want to start off with something else. You know, I had my first F1 experience a couple weeks ago down in Austin. I had a good time. It was very interesting. I got to hang out with the champ. Lewis Hamilton has since won. uh, They won the team championship when I was down there but now what they've done is is he's gone ahead and won the overall annual championship for the drivers which puts him in elite category because he's you know he's uh, one of only four guys I think five guys to have more than three championships this is his fourth world championship but one thing that has happened is at the race down in Brazil Lewis Hamilton squad and I don't know if uh, Lewis was there as well but Lewis Hamilton's squad was robbed at gunpoint down in, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and he said that uh, this is a serious problem. It's a it's a consistency that happens, and he wants to figure out what the hell is going on because it, there seems to be a situation, you know, you hear about it in Brazil, you hear about how it works, and you think, oh, that doesn't happen with Formula One or with soccer players. That happens with anyone who has money, right? It happens or that they assume that money. Yeah. I, I know a dude that got kidnapped 
down there, and it changed his life, changes changes uh, viewpoint and everything. <laughs> and his and his, uh, I do believe it was his kid who rescued him. Wow, his kid clutched up and made a a, a clutch phone call or popped a trunk or something, uh, and he was able to bail out and escape. And he's not rich, but he's you know he's he's well off. Uh huh. But it, it, what they assume is what's most important at that point, because they assume that you have some cheese, then they're going to get you. And he's a Brazilian. He's a Brazilian. Wow. And so reading from Lewis Hamilton's Twitter account, Lewis said, this happens every single year here. F1 and the teams need to do more. There's no excuse. Now think about that. What if Lewis Hamilton, the world's greatest Formula One driver, was killed in a robbery attempt for something that is the equivalent of less than .001% of his wealth just because he has something because the organization didn't take the time and the precautions necessary to make sure that everything is cool? Now, let me ask you this. What kind of precautions can they take? You don't know where he was traveling or what he was doing. So even if he Well, his team was going to and from – they were going to and from the uh, to and from the, the track. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was out finger popping. They were like, ooh, we got Lewis him. Hamilton. Yeah, slipping full. And they didn't, they didn't hit him with that. You know, he, he continued to say, some of my team were held up at gunpoint last night, leaving the circuit here in Brazil. Gunshots fired. Guns held at one's head. This is so upsetting to hear. Please say a prayer for my guys who are here as professionals today, uh, even if shaken. I think there was a typo involved at the end there, but we got the gist of what it was that he was saying. Um, You know, they say security patrols in the area have been beefed up. 700 police officers added. Sao Paulo is supposed to be uh, safer than Rio. I've been down to Rio and fooled around Rio quite a few times myself. How did you feel? Did you feel safe? You know, you can feel the tension. If you've ever been around any sort of uh, uh, impoverished areas, there's a feel that it has. There's always a feel that the tension and the dangerousness of the ghetto has. You can feel it. Yeah. And ghetto uh, tension. It's a ghetto. It's a ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds Even like a my ghetto new space. Tape. <laughs> ghetto tension <laughs> coming soon <laughs> with a whole lot of bleach, mother. <laughs> it's ghetto tension. Yeah, but you can feel it. You can feel it, and um, you can feel it down there. But it's mitigated by the fact that the people are so lively and so beautiful, and that. You know, in Rio, at least, where the water is and people, there's so many tourists that are there. And for the most part, they're not looking to rob me, even though they may be looking to kidnap me. But they're not <laughs> looking to rob me wow. because I'm a less interesting mark because I would uh, fight back in comparison to the— to And I don't have enough money to get you out. To the, <laughs> Bruh, what happened? I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. I think the bill would be too high. Damn. So I'm just letting them know ahead of time. Okay. Well, I guess you're going to get my – hopefully they give me a knee surgery out of the deal. <laughs> maybe they'll just – Hey, I'll send you a couple bucks and get his knee surgery. <laughs> if you're going to cut anything off, take my knee. <laughs> and so apparently what's uh, – you know, when I was down there, they were saying – I had a lot of people uh, – because I was concerned with it, and I had a lot of people say, well, you know what, they're looking for people wearing fanny packs and, uh, you know, more the most vulnerable out of the group. Not that I'm above the law or anybody else's, right. but that's who they're that's who they're looking for. Um, yeah, and I couldn't make myself go on a favela tour. What's your take on the favela tour? I have no take on it. I'm sort of out the loop <laughs> with the favela tour. <laughs> Basically, imagine going to Nickerson Gardens – or the Marshall Project <laughs> in a tour bus I'm with out. other people. I don't need to see that. Pointing at at that at the the poverty, basically. I've hung out in the ghettos without a tour. I've <laughs> done a tour of duty. I've done a, in a the tour of duty, and so now I'm not really going to go to another country and want, look at everybody else and compare. So you're not looking for a poverty space? No. Yeah. Yeah. See, I feel the same way, and I was there with some well-to-do guys. Uh, hey, look at that guy over there. 
here. He's broke. They were, yeah, and that's exactly how I put it. I said, man, y'all can keep that. I'll, I'll be up at the statue of Jesus Christo. Right. Because uh, I don't Out need the, the... Yeah, he's above us. Got I, spread and, it. And, and I don't need... I don't need to to hang out and sort of like rubbing point. it in. I mean, that's I, what I, I felt. I'm like. having a hard time. Life is rough, and now you want to come here and exploit and me. take pictures. So now, when they're taking the pictures, do they or on that tour, do the people who live in the favelas get any of that? Product? So they say. So they say what the what the sure. tour the way that they sell the tour to people who uh, take the tour is well, they make goods. You can buy the goods from them. I'm and not then, talking about them making goods and you selling. I'm talking about you giving them a part of the proceeds that you're using to exploit them, good like and well, they're in the zoo. Good and well that they are not using. They're so not in that no case, they're, they are a product, and if they're a product, then you need to have people in that bad situation to produce income. I agree. They need to turn in that intellectual intellectual property, which yeah. is poverty, <laughs> which never pays much residual yeah. income. Yeah, that's yeah. why it's poverty. <laughs> that's why it's poverty. <laughs> the residual income you get is violence. Yeah, and so. Uh, of yeah. the firsthand nature. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting. I wanted to lead off with that story. It happened a few days ago, but, you know, with sports and international sports taking over every corner of the world, right? and people are more and more interested in going everywhere and including all of the countries at multinational conglomerates and global corporations who are looking to turn the maximum profit, and that comes from the maximum vol- you know, volume of people. Right. You're going to end up in these places where anything can happen. And for people like us who travel a lot, it's always something that, that interests me when I read stories like that, you know, because it could happen. It could happen anywhere. Anything could happen. And when we were in Paris doing Advantage Omar for the French Open, there was that tense feeling. And it was of a terrorist variety, not of a impoverished uh, right. variety. You could feel the tension. You know, guy pulled out a hammer and hit a guy over the head in front of a police, officer, down, a police right? officer. And, you know, there was just tension. That was when the bombing happened up in Manchester. There was a lot of, and then they were also having a resistance. Yep. Yeah. From yeah. the hotels. Yeah, you could you could feel it. It wasn't it wasn't right. But the police are awesome out there. They actually are friendly with the people. They are actually a part of the community, which was awesome. I agree. They did they did exactly what you needed to do. Protect and serve. To protect and serve. Rah. Speak on it, brother. Mm. So yeah, so I wanted to lead off with that. It's a little you know out of the loop, but it's something that I think the people should keep their eyes on because uh, we all, if you're fortunate enough, you travel a lot, you travel all over the world. It's not something to play around with. Now, uh, did you see moving into basketball? We don't cover much basketball, folks, and the reason being is because we're on a podcast network that has a lot of basketball, and there's some other great podcasts that you could tune into if you want to speak on a pod, uh, if you if you want to hear more hoops. But you can hear the Ozone's take on a couple things, primarily everything that's going on with the man known as LeBron James. Always. Did you see this footage of him? Doing what? When he rode the subway. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Now, you know, I like it. There's an interesting. I was surprised that he could ride it. But that's the thing. If you see it, he's there in full hide mode. Mm-hmm. He He's looking like the, the, the terrorist. He's got the full beard. He's got the hood on. And uh, and and it was interesting because you got a team full of seven foot guys. That's what I'm gonna say. Even though, even so, he's, he was sitting down. Yeah, he was sitting down. He's still big. He's big as a house. Yeah. He's sitting down. And anybody who didn't see it, he's sitting down. They had a, either a 45 minute bus ride to get to the garden, uh, or they could all ride the train. And if you ride the train in New York City, you know everybody rides the train. But for the more notable amongst us, it's a little bit more difficult. I've had a few episodes on the train that made me feel pretty uncomfortable because um, you're there, you're stuck, and once people start bugging out, you got nowhere to go. They just bug it out. So one thing that I found was really interesting, speaking of poverty, is LeBron James, 
uh, from what I understand, raised by a single mom and, you know, had a very strong support system of basketball coaches and his friends and whatnot. And he grew up in, an, in a poverty-stricken scenario in Akron, Ohio. And now, obviously, he has wealth on wealth on wealth. But one thing that I found really, really interesting was this was his first time ever riding the subway. Oh, was it? And if you that. think about it, that makes all the sense in the world because since he was 17 years old, he's been on. Yeah, it's true. So, like, he, you know, he's getting like, chauffeured around. Yeah. And because of that, and because of the fact that he's in his early 30s, so he's really a millennial, he's a part of that generation that documents everything. Right. He decided to pull out his cell phone and document him and the Cleveland Cavaliers riding to the garden, which is hilarious <laughs> yeah. on one level. And he's, he, you see all of these dudes, most of the guys are standing. LeBron has got a seat. He's sitting down, and it's, you know, presumably because he's trying to hide the most. And uh, Dwayne Wade, though, is standing. And it, it, was, it was a really cool kind of thing. And so LeBron is doing like a panorama of the, of the subway car, and he gets to the guy sitting next to him, and the guy puts his hand in front of his, his phone. He's like, whoa, hey, man, whoa, what are you doing? And the guy gets up and leaves. Wow. And you can see the guy is visibly offended. And it was funny because LeBron then follows up and is like, oh, good. Now we got more space because <laughs> because my man decided to leave. Afterwards, they got a hold of the guy. The guy called into ESPN, the sports center, and he was like, of course I know who LeBron James is, but I didn't think he was sitting next to me. <laughs> He's like, I thought it was just some kid that was that was decided to unauthorized videotape my life. You need authorization. You need a release. He needs a release. <laughs> and I, and a I'm release. not mad, to be honest, because I don't appreciate people just videotaping and turn the camera on, you know. Yeah, you know, I got a co-star like on that with, on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles job that I have, and this kid is a Snapchat crazy. And literally, as soon as you see me, like, yo, what's up, man? Oh, what's up? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yo, look who's walking up now. We got big old from Baller. You know what I mean? It becomes this big thing. And then when you post and you talk with him, he's super normal. But that's the persona for the you know. But that's the new era, though. That's how you know the kids are. And kids these days. Yeah, these crazy kids. Crazy kids. LeBron uh, proceeded. To come back and break the Knicks' heart because he came back from a 28-point deficit. Because that's what he does. Because, I think it was 23, 28. He's and then doing he, him. And then he trolled them. You saw the little the, the little baby rumble that happened within his canter and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And is he going to have no answer for that? No. No, no, no. Nobody really seems to. But I, I just thought that that was interesting. We got a very interesting matchup tonight that I actually do want to watch, which is the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Lakers. Embiid versus... Lonzo. Yeah. And, you know, you had that battle of words that took place between Embiid and LeVar Ball in the yeah. past. Embiid has since cleared it up and said, you guys think I hate him. I don't hate him. I actually love what he does. And uh, But they're going to they're gonna go at it tonight. And that kid, Ben Simmons, is legit. You know, both of those teams are teams that maybe you look up three years from now and they're actually making some noise. Right. Um, but what's your, take, what's your take on Joel Embiid and the reckless talk and, you know, what do, what do you think about about your boy Lonzo Ball? You had a great stat you were talking about with Lonzo Ball just popped up. Yeah, well, he's the first kid. He's the youngest person ever, uh, you know, to record that triple-double. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. You know, he beat LeBron out, which is crazy. I really think that the kid's going to have a hard time, just like he's having now, because his shot, they need to change his shot a little bit so that he, he's able to get it off because he won't be a scoring point guard at that time. He'll just be a passer, and pretty soon they play but, you for the pass. But we all know you don't like scoring point guards. Well, no, I do like scoring point guards, but it has to be in the flow of the game, not like your OKC stumbling, bumbling crew out there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one ball out there, and it's Lonzo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
But um, the Lakers actually can make some noise. I just feel like they're in a state of confusion right now. They don't have a consistent team team flow or whatever. You know, all of them are young. You have a couple of veterans scrambled in there with, with Brooks, Brooks Lopez. Brooks? I think there's only one of them. I went and decided to go you just, plural. You decided to go <laughs> Brooks you, Robinson. You decided, you decided to go, to go baseball <laughs> on it. Always. <laughs> You know, but you who do they have? They have they got the, Ingram. They yeah, got the kid. Ingram. You know, that's the that's but the Ingram's franchise. But Ingram's inconsistent as well. All of them are inconsistent because they're all kids. They're like one a couple months away from being straight teenagers, and that's why they're inconsistent. And and none of them are contending. So it seems like at this point, it's you just, just a, get yours, or you should work on your game. Well, I think they have to work on their unit, to be honest, and they need to to work their development to figure out which pieces fit, which pieces need to go, so that in a couple of years, when everybody actually physically develops, I just saw the kid Brandon Ingram, you know, at a at a Rams game. He's, he's a stick figure, right? Yeah, he's 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 you know he's shaped like a a teenager still. Right. He's not. He d- didn't give you man child. You know, right. he's just really tall. He's just stretched out. Uh, Lonzo Ball. When I look at him on, you know, when I look at him on the on the games, he's he still has some developing to do, which I think you know he'll do. It's just that he's just a he's skinny right now. Well, yeah, and I think that when you look at him play, a lot of times what's going on is that he looks like he loses his confidence at at a time because they take him out in the fourth quarter a lot. But then too, when he misses his shot. Because he has to rush it. He's shooting it from the hip almost. I don't know what they're going to do. I said that when they first drafted the kid. I felt like it was a, you know, it was potentially going to be an issue. Yeah, and they expect a little bit too much out of him right now anyway. I agree. I mean, the, the, the whole league is after him right now because of his father, which is really not warranted. Because what does his father supposed to do? He's supposed to bring his son in and say, oh, my son's terrible, but, you know, give him a chance. He pumped his son up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, he, that's his man. You know, LeVar Ball has done a lot to get his kids to position them to take care of themselves. Right, in a, and, a and, situation to succeed. And to put them in the situation to succeed. And I actually, this is why I support him, because I feel like he supported his kids right. in a way that especially African-American men have uh, been criticized for not being around. Now, he's done a lot, and he's gotten there. And he's gotten his son there, and his son is playing Okay. okay. Yeah, he's, he's not, playing like he should play. He's a rookie. He, he's playing like he should play as a rookie, and uh, and truthfully, the, to the experience that both of us have with professional sports, if you can get one in, <clears throat> the rest of your family isn't necessarily far off. Right. And it seemed like a shoe win that they have the formula now. You go to UCLA. You go from Chino Hills High School to UCLA to the league. Right. And now here comes LiAngelo Ball and his Mary. Uh, group of friends and this is just so disappointing and unacceptable totally and completely this unacceptable. very very immature now you know uh you know you know good and well that they're after you and your dad and your family exactly the they meaning in the, the dj system. Khaled sense the, the <laughs> yeah the system the system wants you guys to fail in a certain way so we can say see i told you so i told you that's exactly what it is they're looking for and i told you so about those kids now, this kid drives a Maserati to UCLA, from what I understand. Right. So he fits right in with a lot of the privileged kids, but not necessarily with the kids that are on Scully, because most of those kids are coming from an underprivileged space. Right. Uh, an impoverished uh, uh, a Watts kind of space, <laughs> if you will. Now, um, this situation is very upsetting to me, because this kid who has it all in the palm of his hand, now he's a kid, we know kids make mistakes and this, that, and the other, but LiAngelo Ball, Cody Riley, and Jalen Hill got arrested shoplifting in China, of all places. Three stores. At high-end stores. Yeah. 
and it's not even really necessary because you have the money to pay for it. So this is some kind of thrill seek or you just falling into peer pressure. Yeah, it's weakness is what uh, that one is. It's a serious character flaw. And that that's and, and I don't know Cody Riley and Jalen Hill scenario. We're just talking about LiAngelo Ball. Right. And it became an international incident. Um I I felt pretty confident. They the guys were looking at ten years at from to like five to ten, from what I understand. Because they don't mess around in foreign countries. Folks. No, and that's probably a work camp. Yeah. And it, ooh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It wasn't like it's you have to use those muscles that they develop. Man. When they, they get out, they'll be strong for the league. To say, when they come out, they'll be fully developed for the league. And fluent in Chinese. <laughs> and uh <Get> smart. <laughs> and maybe they can open a subway right. or a KFC. <laughs> so there's a um a situation that that then becomes ugly, that becomes an international incident. I felt confident that it was gonna get resolved when Jack Ma, the owner of uh, Alibaba, the Chinese Amazon got involved, and I felt very confident that oh, okay, well that's that should that should tighten things up. But then, in a surprising move, I actually saw video footage on Air Force One when uh, President Trump was going from I don't know hanging out with the strongman killer uh, dictator in the Philippines to hanging out with another dictator somewhere else. In between there, he was talking about sanctions and easily glossing over civil rights and then he decided to say oh yeah and the boys by the way we're trying to get the boys home just a heads up it's a situation that should have never happened i had a conversation with the president of china about it it was a very uncomfortable conversation but he's being helpful and he's trying to help get our boys home i have to say honestly this is the first thing that i've seen maybe in this whole life that donald trump even remotely said that that was something that i respected now I don't necessarily think I agree with what you're what you're saying. Is it the right thing? Is the question? Yeah, I hadn't said it yet though. But is well, it, you had, you had intimated it in the intro. Yeah, but the but it definitely is not the right thing. Where uh, you're looking for a glorification for it? Where now he tweets out like the dickhead that he is. Do you think the three UCLA basketball players would say thank you to President Trump? And they did. They were headed for ten years in jail, and they did. Yes. Hello, Cheeto. Hello, Cheeto. You lose once again. Now, what do you think about the situation? I honestly, I mean, they made a big mistake, and I don't feel like, you know, I'm not the judge or jury or anything, but 10 years for shoplifting is sort of, you know, far. It's excessive, but that's that's But that's their their rules rules. over there. Those are their rules. And you went over there and you broke their rules. But, and I also would like to see them come home, but also now with the UCLA has suspended them indefinitely, but they they also stated that there's a chance that they could come back later on in the year. So basically what they're trying to do is to let all of this die and then they'll bring them back. In most cases, if it was a normal guy besides LiAngelo Ball, they would say, guess what? You lose your scholarship, you lose everything, go home. It, I I agree, and that's not right. I mean, I I I like the balls, but he made a mistake, and this is the consequences. And this could teach a kid that's coming up in the future that when you make How a mis- high the stakes exactly are. when you make a mistake like this, this is the price that you pay. So maybe he would have to go play overseas or something like that. But now, if you let him come back, you have to set you're setting a precedent. So what's well, the A Rod scenario? Yeah. So when, when you well, set this again, precedent, we though, are we are incentivizing potentially we're we're excusing and incentivizing certain sorts of behavior yeah because, because of your it status. can still be beneficial to the program and to the school because and to the of the nba status. and everything else yeah potentially now i this is something that i thought i'm surprised jeff van gundy still has a job because he keeps his so 100 mm-hmm. but this is something that i wanted to speak on and speak about and i feel like he summed it up better than than i could say it in my own words here's jeff van gundy 
why is UCLA and Georgia Tech in China to play a basketball game? Missing all that school and then force-feeding their fans the idea of student-athlete. And if it's such a cultural excursion, what's UCLA doing in the Louis Vuitton sunglass section? They can do that in Beverly Hills. You, you're in charge of that league. I'll tell you what the answer is. Money. They're trying to sell something to get more money. Part of the Pac-12 initiatives to play in China. They've done that every year now for the last few years. So you don't like that? You don't like them going overseas to play? Well, then stop the nonsense about student-athletes. And I know they have tutors on there and all that. They're always going to get fed the same lines. <laughs> Muhammad missed. I agree with him to a certain, you know, degree. But also, everybody wants to push their brand, which is the NCAA. They want to go out and go out to the country, just like the NFL does when they go and play in London. There's no football in London. Why were we going? You know. Well, the NFL is a professional organization. Though. Yeah, but realistically, no, let's, call, no, let's call this NCAA what it is. It's a professional organization. Yeah, but it's see, a but that's, that's table. the this is the entire point. The NFL is a professional organization that doesn't fake like that. What the NFL is saying is, you know what, we're trying to expand our game into international waters, and that's fine. And people are being paid for that. In this situation, you well, have being paid for it though. There's not the kids directly, but the schools and the NCAA are being paid for it. That's what he just said, pretty much. They're being paid for it. That's why they took their product over there, although I don't agree with it. I mean, it's cool to expand, and even if they go to Louis Vuitton or whatever, you know that you can't go to foreign countries and just walk all over the place. You don't know the boundaries, just like we just got through talking about you know, in, in Rio. But give those kids that experience because some of them might not ever get that experience again, so it's cool to be able to go over there. I, I agree with him, but don't go under the ruse of it being a cultural exchange because it's not. And that this is my point. My point is is that ultimately the NCAA needs to open its eyes uh, and stop playing games. And their eyes are open, but they need to stop the ruse that this thing is something different than what it is. Well, when they do that, though, they have to start paying people. And they, you know they don't want to lose that. That's the bottom line. They don't want to lose that because this is how they generate all this capital. They, they're milking and fleecing all these kids. They're acting like they're not paying people and they're paying them. Yeah. I mean, come on, dude. Everybody gets paid out. The people who are worth something. Yeah. yeah, people yeah. going on to the next level, they get paid. Guys get paid. I need you. I need pay or play. To come, <laughs> I need, to play. come on, man. How and, much you gonna pay? And now, and it just seems to be a certain matter of time before they determine. Hey, you know what? Now we gotta pick you off. Yeah. And so Calipari, you know what? It's your time. You gotta go sit down for a little while. The season's changing. Or the yeah yeah. yeah. Well, whoever whoever the coach is that that you know how they play the game. They this is what they decide to do. And just the the overall lack of honesty for what it is that it is is, I guess, the biggest problem. Yeah, because because yeah. you're a, playing it, like I care, I care for the kids. Uh, this is all for them is. and the cultural exchange. And basically, you're saying how much are we going to get paid for this? I'll bring Leandro Ball over there. You know, he's probably the biggest draw that they brought over there in a little while. He's supposed to probably be the next thing coming after this year, right? So he would be entering the draft right after this season because that's their whole plan. They're one and done. And so when he does that, then the, the school is saying, we're going to bring him over there. Everybody will be able to see him. That's going to increase his visibility once he gets to the NBA as well. It does. But what my but not when is, you get caught shopping lifting in Louis Vuitton. Not the right kind of increase of your visibility. <laughs> now, my question, I wonder, is is that, so is, is the move, is UCLA and Georgia Tech both trying to use it as a recruiting tool? 
You know, because everything that you described right there benefits the NBA. That doesn't benefit UCLA. You know what I mean? I'm saying the NCAA. It, 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 it helps the NCAA and the NBA. All of them really, I mean, they can call it what they want to, but they work in tandem. They are on the same page. So the NCAA. You think? I, I'm, I'm, I swear by it because <laughs> I don't want to say I put my life on it because somebody lied. Wait a minute. I take it back. No, put your life on it. It's over. <laughs> no. Take it. They work together. They're a farm system for the NBA. They can call it whatever they want to, but that's what they are. And it's farm to table. I mean, so when they increase the kids' visibility with the Final Four and all that kind of stuff, or with the, uh, the championships or whatnot, the, the Sweet 16, that helps the NBA. These guys are already just about proven products when they get there, even though they might not be successful. They, you get there, and people are already buying jerseys. People always already, right? Lonzo Ball's jerseys were selling already. His father claimed that he was going to the Lakers. They were they are already talking about putting his number up in the rafters and everything. I'm sure. I don't know the numbers on what he um, you know, what his jersey sales were, but I'm sure that he was selling jerseys already. So acting like that they're not working together is just not realistic. I wonder though, because I feel like they feed each other, but I don't know if they work in cahoots, put it like that. Because the NBA is in the clear in this situation because they're like, look, I'm we're paying people. And yeah. That's not a, you know what I mean? There's no, there's no subterfuge about that. We're yeah, but people. it's just like, you know. Just like the NFL. Yeah. You know what I mean? The NFL's like, hey, man, look. Well, isn't that them. even greater for them? If they don't have to pay people, you get to develop somebody in college. Before, there wasn't a rule where you had to be one and done. You can actually go from high school to the NBA. The NFL, the NCAA said, no, you know what? And NBA talked to them and said, hey, you know what? This isn't right. We need to, uh, you know, they need to develop more. So yeah. we're not going to. Which is true, though. This yeah, time, to a certain degree, this, it is true. This but this is a free society. So have, why should the NBA or the NCAA sign an agreement saying that these guys can't come straight from high school? The, as, if I feel like I'm ready and the, the NBA said that they want to draft me, then I should be able to go. I don't care if I'm 15, if my parents signed off on it. I agree with that. I do agree with that. Wow, definitive statements on the Ozone, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you got, you. You Thank got you. Terry fired up. Thank you very and much. And ready to go. I'll be here all 45 minutes. He has earned <laughs> his new headphones. <laughs> we got a caller to call in and wants to redeem himself and speak about his college <laughs> sports and his college sports situation. Oh, zillionaires. What up? What's, uh, you tell me. What's going on with you? I, you're no longer next victim. I looked up. I saw you talking crazy online, and you were you had some new name. What what happened, victim? Why 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 are you so intent on hiding from the ozone following that wants to keep you honest on your predictions and your scheduling? I guess we calling out names. Well, I was getting my cap on my Kaepernick, and don't want to go with the next victim name, so I switched it up to do it for the tipper. <laughs> okay, so we can find you on Twitter at Do It For The Tipper. Do It For The Do Tipper, for- we're looking for some expert NCAA talk right now because we were just speaking about the situation with the young uh, LiAngelo Ball making a stupid decision to shoplift in period, but then especially to do it in a communist country. And um, we're talking about how the NBA, the NCAA, and all of basically the uh, professional leagues working lock and step with the NCAA and what it is that they're doing and offering uh, on the professional level versus the subterfuge of the the under-the-table professional level, which is what's happening now in the NCAA. Now, given all that information, what are the blue-chip athletes on the football field going to do this weekend who have been paid to go play at Alabama and SC and all of the other big schools? Oh, man, they're going to ball out. 
You know, they, they, they don't have to steal because since they're blue chip, they're already getting paid under the table and it's pretty much a guaranteed contract, you know, with the, with the Alabamas, the Clemsons, you know, they once they want pretty much once you sign up for them schools, uh, you know, SEC or the ACC, you know, these big name schools, it's almost, you know, you're going to be within the, in, in the first or the four rounds of any draft, you know, whether if you play, if it's basketball, you're going overseas, if you're playing, you know, college football, you're going to be either on a practice squad or somewhere, you know, in the NFL with these top teams, unless you just, you know, happen to go to China and steal something. And you know? trick off your whole opportunity. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. Now, how do you feel? How do you feel about the college basketball space since college basketball is firing up? What do you got for us? And college basketball is way much better than the NBA. Really? Uh, is or are. You know, because they have to do their couple of years, you know, they have to grind out, they have to do the studies. You know, again, I'm just all into NCAA or any type of college sports, um, having a little bit on my background. But just the, the preparation and the, the hunger, um, you know, the top schools, again, they're pretty much doing one and done. Well, um, yeah, let me let me ask you a question, though. If they're so... If they're way so much better than NBA, why is it that when they get to the NBA, most of these guys can't produce? Because the NBA is a different game, different culture. They want to sit them and try to develop them for the NBA, you know, just preparation. In college, it's just, you know, they're too advanced for college, but then they're not yet fully developed as far as um, body weight, muscle, and all that for the NBA. One of the biggest things is someone like a Brandon Ingram. Ingram. Uh, We were just speaking on him. We were just talking about him. And Alonzo Ball. He's ready to go, you know, at 6'10", you know, but now you can kind of see his body kind of developing, and um, but he's still getting pushed around at 6'10", kind of like with um, with how Durant was. The, the difference is between Durant and um, uh, Brandon Ingram, Durant had a jumper that was wet from all planets yeah. of, of, the, of, the, of the court. You know, Brandon Ingram is still trying to get to the rim. You know, if he get to the rim, he's getting knocked around. He's getting put on his butt, and he can't make free throws. So what do you do? You you, you want to guard him. You want to get all up in his in his jock and make him go around you and let the big man take one for the team and knock him down. But somebody would like Durant, you can't sag because he's going to hit the jumper. He's quick enough to dribble around you, and he may give it to you to your big man. I was about to say he'll drop he it on him. He'll drop it on him because he's above the not only yeah. is he above the rim, he's above the top of the square. Yeah. Right. Because he's a seven right. footer with the boost. All right, so college football, talk to me. Who's the big matchups this weekend and then what what's up with Upsetville last weekend? All right, we're real quick on the big games this weekend. Um there there isn't any. <laughs> that was pretty fast. That was a very quick synopsis. Thank you. Do it for the team. Unless you're in Southern California, the only big game is UCLA versus USC. And, um, you know, USC right number 11, they should blow, um, they should put the, the hands completely on, on UCLA. Um, so that's the big game this weekend for the Southern Californians. And were you surprised at Notre Dame's ability to handle uh, getting pounded <laughs> by Miami? Man, you know, that's completely disrespect for <laughs> Miami to go up in there and just almost get them dudes from Notre Dame a stinky boo-boo. I almost, stinky boo-boo. <laughs> almost gave them a, a dozen donuts. 
Come on, man. It was, it was It's like they had the Ray Lewis and the, the Michael Irvin all back in uniform. Everybody was back on. Everybody <laughs> was the U. Man, they went down there and smacked them around. Wow. They smacked them around. That was big. That was real huge. And that, um, that may have knocked Notre Dame completely out of the playoff race. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I was. I have to say, I was a little surprised. I know that the U plays strong at home, but they really turned it up. Yeah, they balled out. They completely balled out. Um, but last weekend was a whole bunch of upsets. And, uh, you know, you had Oklahoma State going into Iowa State. Iowa State then knocked out maybe three top ten teams this season. And, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State was ranked number 15. They went in and put hands on Iowa State. Uh, Georgia, number one Georgia, lost to Auburn. You know, Cam Newton's old uh, alumni. And Charles Barkley. Can I get that Charles Barkley impression real quick? You might be able to if you act right, boy. You might be able to get some collard greens to go along with it. Hey, man, bring me my cornbread. <laughs> I appreciate it, Charles. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so, number one Georgia lost to Auburn, 17 um to 40, Auburn really putting hands on them. So Georgia is one of the teams that I still worry about to making it to the college, uh, to the national championship playoffs. Um, as we had talked about, number seven, Miami putting hands on Notre Dame. Um, but, you know, my squad is still there. I said it at the beginning of the college football season that we will most likely see um, Clemson. They're ranked number two right now playing against Alabama in the yeah. national championship. A rematch. But the thing to worry about um, is Georgia, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is is under the radar. They're ranked at number five right now. They play strong. They have good athletic uh, uh, programs in Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it is. Yeah, they have good bat. Their, their basketball team is always sneaky good. You know, they they're good for an upset. The football team is, it, it, and it's it's something about. The geographics of where they are, that geography helps them to stay under the radar. So it seems like they surprise teams. Like teams always seem to take them lightly in every sport. In every sport, right? Yeah. So that could be it, you know, because I know they do a lot of recruiting, you know, just within their own demographics, within their own, you know, area. So, you know, we don't get to see them much on TV. So until the big games or whatever. So when when they play, it should be. It shouldn't be a shot, but they're proven. And, you know, they're in the Big Ten Conference, so they're going through the, the likes of Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, and they're, they're coming out victorious. So, you know, they're proven, and they deserve to be wherever they're at. Yeah, and we're going to see where they are when it all shakes out come December. Well, all right, do it for the tipper. We appreciate you. Appreciate you coming back, bouncing back. Hope you worked on your tan in Mexico. And it didn't fry your brain. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back. I'm sorry I had to suspend next victim, but do it for the tipper is a lot better. <laughs> I, I hear you. One question real quick. Is LeBron James a king of New York City? Ooh. 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 No. No. <laughs> there gotta it go. is. Got to go with Mike Jordan. There it is. <laughs> do it for the tipper. We appreciate you. You are a friend of the Ozone. We'll catch you soon. Ozone out. Love ya. Peace. Doing it for the tipper. Going to move into the NFL. Very interesting. GQ has named Colin Kaepernick Citizen of the Year. Right. Which is totally different 
than a category of saying sexiest man, totally different than saying man of the year. Citizen of the year is a very specific term. You know, they, they something that you could be proud of. Actually, it, it actually is because for democracy to work, we need citizens that are active. It's the only way that it works. And what's the trip is that Kaepernick hasn't done anything in a year. <laughs> and this is what is, I mean, really, really a trip. And it's a trip because he's not necessarily, because he hasn't done anything, he's not active. But it's a, I guess it supports, uh, you know, Mahatma Gandhi and Dr. King's theory of silence as a form of protest. Because if you look at it, this guy's made more noise now in silence and kneeling than he ever did getting one pass away from winning the Super Bowl. And I bet you he never thought that this was going to get this big. I guarantee it. This is a, this situation, you know, this is this is a really, a, to me it's a really surprising scenario, and I think it still doesn't get this big if, uh, if Cheeto doesn't get involved. I don't think it ever gets that. I don't think it ever blows up like it did because that seemed to spur the action. It was a call to action for the other players. Right. If you remember, just as recently as the beginning of the season, it wasn't a lot of players that were involved in the protest. You just, know, just a handful. Yeah, it was just a handful. Even if you want to call it a handful. You know, and I felt like the, the uh, NFL, they should have, you know, even the other players that weren't involved should have helped, you know, or, or supported in some form or fashion because it was an attack on their, you know, on their union. Uh, I agree. The problem now is, is just like I said before, where do they go from here? And, uh, you know, there, there needs to be something clear cut set out. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know where they, you know, what they do, where they go. But uh, hats off to Cap for for his uh, for winning that. I'm very interested to see where he goes with it from from this point outside of football because I don't think he'll ever play you know another NFL down ever again. Now, do you think that he's going to take that anywhere? I don't even know if he's really interested in doing anything with that. I don't know. I mean, he you know it seems as though he's decided to be a full time activist and he's dedicated a lot of money to a lot of citizens uh, and their civil rights. And a lot of uh, African American and minority citizens in their civil rights, and for that he's been aptly attacked and uh, misrepresented. And you know, for the most part, there's a lot of uh, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of pros to what it is that he did, and then there's a, there's some cons. Like I never really could understand when he said that he wasn't gonna <laughs> when he wasn't gonna vote. That was crazy. And uh, you know, there's a lot of conjecture about whether or not he's going to these meetings at the players association and the owners meetings blah 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 whether or not he's invited to so i don't know I, i'd be interesting to, to take a, a telescope to this in a year or two and or, or 10 and see what because a lot of this stuff is all tied in together it may not seem like it mm-hmm. the sexual harassment movement that's going on now with the hashtag me too with uh with with all of the people who have come out who are being sexually uh, uh, harassed constantly at work, um, in their private lives, and men, women, children, it's now rolled over. There is an activism that I think you can kind of roll back to Colin Kaepernick's cause um, that I think is, has grown into something even bigger than just the NFL and the kneeling and so on and whatnot. Right, and I think also one of the great things that's happened is that people are finally using social media for something that, you know, more it's so valuable. Than, yeah, than showing them, you know, that I just went to the toilet today. Yeah, because you, you got plenty of that or every single thought that comes out of your mind, you know what I mean? You have yeah. to document it and write it down. So now, you know, you can actually use that 
in a positive way. Yeah. You know, somebody will be able to get some kind of growth out of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really rolled over. I mean, everybody to the, you know, the sexual harassment charges, like I said, to the to the, the guy, the, the senator or judge, rather Judge Moore down in Alabama, who's right. now look like he's going to have to resign. He said he's not. And, yeah, he's giving you classic redneck work. Yeah. And um, but there's a lot. And, and all of this comes to just like you said, comes from citizens holding their leaders feet to the cold. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a serious thing before without people being able to communicate like we can now, with, even with globalization. Now everybody can communicate and expose people, you know, yeah. for what they are, whether it be good or bad. And unfortunately, there's a lot of bad people out there. Right. You know, and first of all, we have to stop sexualizing children. That would be the beginning. This you know, is, that's fundamental. This is, that's this the is fundamentals. Gotta, this is has to stop. Yeah, this has to stop. Um, and and speaking of that, uh, the children they take a moment of silence for the massacre that uh, took place in Northern California at the school. Ridiculous. Unbelievable, folks. Unbelievable. The mass shootings are so common now that that barely even moved the needle yesterday on the news when it happened. And President Trump is such a buffoon that he even tweeted condolences to the other mass shooting that took place last week in Texas. Said, oh, the FBI and police are on the scene. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't even want to start on a rant with that dude. I don't even like giving mayor play. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So what do you got over there about the Seahawks that you were saying? Oh, the Seahawks are under the gun a little bit because they had Russell Wilson. He didn't, they didn't follow. The when he con- just popped into that tent and popped uh-huh, back out. Uh-huh, that concussion protocol. So now they're under the gun. They might be receiving a fine or some kind of uh, you know, problem from the NFL in general because everybody knows that they put these guys back out there, whether they're injured or not, with concussions or whatever. And Russell Wilson is an elite player. So you can't just throw him out there and think that, the, you know, that somebody's not going to find out. And then, uh, the Seahawks are in a little trouble right now. Right. And what do you think? They're, what, are, what are the consequences going to be? Like, what are they saying? That- you know what? The, the NFL, you never can tell. You never can really tell because they'll, they'll, find, they'll put a guy like Ezekiel Elliott who's on a six-game suspension now without any kind of proof of anything. And they'll suspend him. And right. then you'll have somebody where we just saw Russell Wilson come back in a game where he had a concussion. And they'll just let it ride. So who knows? Yeah. I, the NFL is not necessarily the best when it comes to, if you look at it, when it comes to uh, punishment. Crime and punishment, if you will. I mean, you got all kind of stuff that's been caught on video that gets less punishment than people doing protests and so on. Right. And that's what we focus on. And that's what we focus on. Speaking of which, Papa John... Uh, notorious pizza slanger, something happened with him. What what was his scenario? Well, now they want to come out and they Papa John apologized for blaming poor sales on NFL player protests. And then that means that they're blocking that false scenario. You know, that that, that false narrative rather. You know, they can't you can't come out and say that this is causing your, your pizza not to sell. Maybe it's just your pizza's not good. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Maybe at this point in time people just don't want any pizza. Or maybe you just need to switch your game. But what you can't do is to blame it on a player protest. That has nothing to do with yourselves. And now they've come out and apologized. The statements made on our earning, of our earnings were called were descri- uh, describing the factors that impact our business. And we sincerely apologize to anyone that thought that they were divisive. That definitely was not our intention. Wow. 
And that's all a backtrack just based on the fact of the response. If everybody would have piled on him and like, yeah, then he would have been a okay with exactly what it was that yeah. they, you know what it was that happened. Yeah, I mean it's it's unfortunate, but this is the way of the world now. That, you know, it's always easier to, to dump on somebody else than actually just say, hey, you know what, our sales are down and we need to work on ourselves. Yeah, let's blame it on Kaepernick. <laughs> it's it. Everybody needs a scapegoat. Everybody needs a scapegoat. So. Moving into the NFL, Roger Goodell, commissioner for the last, what, about 20 years? It seems like the last 200 years. The dude's a, 20 hundred. Can you put that on the calendar? That would be 2,000. Would that be like an AD? So I do believe that or, he was the commissioner over Jesus' execution. <laughs> so what's down. What, uh, you know, he's looking for some pretty outrageous demands. He's looking for $50 million per year, and he's looking for a private jet for life. Is that an outrageous demand when, you know, it's all relative, and Jerry Jones is looking to actually get him out the league, To period. sue him and get him out of the league because he didn't appreciate his you know Elliott situation. I really don't appreciate Roger Godell's work or Jerry Jones, but the thing of it is, is that Jerry Jones wants to put a puppet in there. Uh, and, and, now, and now as soon as he gets somebody who bucks against him a little bit since he's the most powerful and he's owner been, in the NFL. And he's been the puppet, though. Yeah, Goodell yeah he's been the puppet. Been puppet, puppet. He's been the puppet. But the thing of it is, and now as soon as he gets a little bounce back or feedback, now he wants him out. Let him roll with him for a little bit longer now. You know, I don't really... Uh, if they're going to give Godell a, a jet for the, his lifetime? Come on, man. That's too far. But if, <laughs> but if they decide to do that, that's on them. They have the money to do that. I'm yeah. sure that the, a couple of the owners have their own jets that they can borrow. All of that the owners borrow. have yeah, their own jets. Come jet. on, man. So it's not a big deal. Yeah. But the $50 million, I, I would ask for $50 million or more if I have to listen to everybody's problems, everybody's problems in the whole world, because they're all bouncing off of him. They're not, stop. They don't go to the owners. You know, they, they go to Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell is the one who has to stand out in front and be the he's sacrificial lamb. Yeah, and he yeah. has to be the sacrificial lamb, whether he's right or wrong. It's true. Yeah, so he can't ask for enough. Wow. Well, that's an interesting take on it. Yeah, his leadership has been at times spotty. Suspect. He, he, yeah, he seems as though, you know, uh, he lives in that political kind of bubble of people who live in affluence that, that aren't necessarily connected. I mean, everybody in the situation is living in some sort of affluence. Right. But that, that aren't necessarily connected to the issues that, that are for the people that they're entertaining. He's, he likes to walk. He's in a gray area. He's in a gray space. He's in a gray space right now. <laughs> you know, he wants to walk in the middle of the, on the fence. You know, he doesn't want to be on this side or that side. But the owners obviously have him on their side. Right. He's always signing off on their issues. Right. How many times do you see him sign off with the players? Uh, it's only if he's held to social ransom that he does actually do something with the players. Like even with this protest situation, he had to actually bend a little bit because the, the public is actually joining in with it now. Yeah, yeah, that's actually when the when the bending took place. Yeah. Now, do you think that the New Orleans Saints are real? The New Orleans Saints are real because they're not dependent on Drew Brees' arm, which Drew Brees is on the verge probably of needing to retire. Yeah. But they have two over, over well, above average. yeah, above average running backs. Yeah. And their defense is above average, which is a surprise. The, the, you know, but they've always had the potential. Even when they won the Super Bowl, they had good defense. Well, when they won the Super Bowl, they had good defense. And a running game. But ever since then, they, they haven't had great defense. Yeah, but, you know, the whole thing nowadays is that you can win the Super Bowl with a good defense and a good running back. Peyton Manning just won the Super Bowl, and he wasn't good at all. He, yeah, he was I, like a third-string quarterback at that point. But he managed. He yeah, managed, but he managed. And, and that's he understood what they the for. strength of his defense, which was very interesting because now they look like they could be a serious problem. Yeah. How in the world did Tyrod Taylor get benched? Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, who I have on my fantasy team as my backup to James, he's Winston. had a couple of bad games. He just had a bad game against the Saint defense. It's over above average. And in that same that same bad game that he had, the Bulls gave up forty seven points. Yeah, 
Well, you do that, though, with the Saints because the Saints, they create turnovers. And then also the Saints have a little bit of offense. That's all you need because their defense, the Bills' defense is not that good. So they got ran all over by Kamara and by Thomas. I mean, by Ingram. I tell you what. He's uh, given us a bit of Negro Domus, uh, Tyrod Taylor is, is because not too long ago, he said on October 14th, it's always going to be twice as bad because of who I am, an African-American quarterback. Look across the league, man. We're held to a certain standard. We almost have to be perfect. I wouldn't say it's just an African-American quarterback thing. It's an African-American athlete thing or just an African-American thing. And that's not anything I just found out. It's been that way since I was a kid. I'm held to a higher standard. And I welcome that because it'll make me a better player. Now, the guy just got benched and he has a completion percentage of 64%, 12 tugs, three picks, and a passer rating of 91. Not bad. That's not bad. And he got benched. I mean, I... I don't know if you're he a better was on team. A bu- but he was on the bubble of not starting or getting re-signed anyway this year. Yeah, yeah. And he went back and signed that that thing. Uh, he, I don't know what kind of guaranteed money he, he got for that, but hopefully he got a nice piece of change, and they should obviously look to to trade him. Yeah, if they're not going to use him, I think that he's going to find a place to play. I don't think that like he's going to Like the Texans be, maybe? Perhaps. And I think that when he gets to a warmer place, a place with a better defense like the Texans, he may be able to light it up. Well, he had honest. done well when he played with Buffalo last year, so it doesn't matter about the temperature. It doesn't seem like it affects him that much. Oh, no, no, I agree. I'm just saying that I think that a, a warmer scenario, both physically and mentally warmer mm. than maybe what's going on in Buffalo can can give him some more success. Yeah, because you never want your gig to be in question. It just, as an athlete, it doesn't usually work out well. And they got rid of all his receivers. They just got a new receiver for him, Kelvin Benjamin. I don't understand that deal in the first place, but <laughs> they bring him in there. And now you said Tyrod Taylor, so that means that he can never get in sync with him because he's not playing with him. Right. Are the Falcons back? No. The Falcons lost their their offensive coordinator, which seemed like it made a big difference. If Julio Jones is not in effect mode with the Falcons, they're not going to ever be back. (laughs) He's the most dominant receiver in football. But if you can't figure out a way to get him the ball, then you're you're not going to be able to win. Then you're not serious. Yeah, you're not serious. You have to figure that out. You have to figure out how to get that man the ball. How many touchdowns does he have? One? I don't Maybe even, two. I was about to say something. Not enough. Something ridiculous. Not enough for the way that we just saw him play all of last season yes. and in the Super Bowl. Yes. And where it was very clear that he was the best receiver and on the double, planet. And triple teamed. And he's still Still making out. catches. Yeah. And now you can't even give him the ball. So I can't take you serious. I can't depend on Muhammad Sanu or Taylor Gabriel. Devonta Freeman's hurt most of the time. You have Tevin, Tevin Coleman. You, you know, you have a decent defense. But once you get into it with a team that actually can run the ball and wear that defense down, then they're going to be subpar. Just like they have been for most of the year. I have to say, I'm starting to become a believer in Ram time, bro. You should believe in the Rams. I told you. Man. Rams are real. It's Ram time. We don't play. We blow you out week to week. And they blow you out. I got to give you a Rams hat. It's going down. (laughs) They got plenty of them. They got plenty of them. They got plenty of seats at the Coliseum, by the way, if you want to buy an extra (laughs) 10,000. They got an extra 10,000 seats for you. Rams are serious, man. I'm telling you. The Rams are real. They have good defense. Forget about the running game. All you had to do was get rid of Jeff Fisher. And can you believe that? One, yes, I can. I was crying is, for it all as, last year. As the coach says, all it takes is one meathead. And he happens to be the head coach. Get him out of there. <laughs> and you get him out of there. At first of all, they gave away so much money to him just to get rid of him. And they probably would have never gotten rid of him if the fans, if they didn't come to Los Angeles and the fans started screaming. Yeah. He would be in St. Louis stinking the joint up. And people just sweep it under the rug because he's in St. Louis. But you can't come to L.A. and stink the joint up. We don't allow that out here. Mm, we won't watch. No. Yeah. And we'll be mad that you have uh, you've you've messed up traffic. <laughs> Even worse, <laughs> very mad. I'm we'll upset. Be, we'll be very very upset. 
Very upset. Well, moving on into boxing, uh, we have a sad loss in the world of boxing. Veteran cut man for Floyd Mayweather and the other champions, uh, Rafael Garcia, has passed away. Uh, at the tender age of, of 88, he had a full life, and we all know him from being in the corner and always uh, uh, backing his man, which was great. Uh, because he had 100% certainty in Floyd all the time. I don't think he ever had to do much work with Floyd because he didn't get cut up all that much. Right. Uh, but but it, it was uh, he, he passed away. Passed away. The uh, the champ mourned his death. And you can catch a nice uh, touching tribute to him on his Instagram page that has a lot of views. Um, also happening in the world of boxing... Somebody who I keep going back and forth on the waffle tip with is Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya had the nerve to come out now on the radio and say that he would come back for a Conor McGregor fight. I'm sure you would, <laughs> but we don't want you back. Stay where you are. Why does he need to come back? You're a, almost a billionaire. You have plenty of money. Well, that's not enough for him, though. You know, that he needs more money. He saw that big payday Floyd got for, for that debacle, and now he wants to jump on board and milk Conor McGregor for what it's worth. Conor McGregor cannot be the boxer. If you guys want to make that more whatever, competitive. yeah, competitive, fight. Fight like he wants to fight. Yeah. Why don't want you guys go in there and wrestle and get on the ground and roll around and do yeah. whatever y'all do? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let him hammer punch you and all that kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Hammer! Hammer! I am! Hammer! They put me in the mix! Then <laughs> go in there and let them do that. But, but uh, you know, it's absurd. And, and the reason it's absurd is because he's sat around bumping his gums all through the promotion of Mayweather McGregor and talking he's about a hypocrite, how dude. He's, he's a, a hypocrite. total hypocrite. In, in because, multiple ways yes, we in see in multiple this ways because he's the same guy who's the cancer in boxing now that he always fought against Floyd with, talking about all this, these promotions and everything else. Now he does the same thing. He milks his fighters. He does everything the wrong way. He He does. He does. And and I have to say, I gave him praise. I even shook his hand and told him thank you for making that fight with Triple G, which I was surprised that he made. He took he stretched it out as long as he could. And now it doesn't seem like they're in any rush to sign the rematch. Yeah, and you can also see that the fix was in with that fight. So, oh, e- easily. Yeah, and that's a well, part of De La Hoya. And it's a part of De La Hoya, and I personally think that what's ended up happening is, is that perhaps he's spent the rest of his career and life regretting the fact that he knows he should have beat Floyd Mayweather when they fought. Yeah. Whether he threw that fight or didn't throw that fight. I don't believe he threw it. I just feel like he had a lack of discipline because yeah. even after the fight, he had regret and remorse. Immediately. Yeah. First immediately, five like, rounds. I know. I, I had him. Yeah. First five rounds. He, 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 was, did, he destroyed him. Just jabbed him up. Oh, my goodness. He was a much bigger guy. And this is prime Floyd Mayweather. This and is, then he this just decided the that he wasn't going to do it anymore. He couldn't even understand meaning De La Hoya, he couldn't even understand why he stopped popping his own jab. No, that's what I mean. He stopped popping his own jab, and then Manny Pacquiao put him out of his misery the next fight. Thank goodness. And uh, and that was that. And now this is, I mean, just him deciding that he, even speaking about that makes me sick. First of all, you know, he's talking about coming back and fighting. We have to remember that he was on drugs before. Yes. You know, and I'm not talking about steroids. He was on narcotics. No, he was on narcotics, <laughs> and he had an alcohol he was on that problem. Stuff. He was on that stuff. So now you want to come back and revisit the game? The game doesn't want you. Stay on the promotion side, dude. And yeah, then the game don't wait because if you come back and you mess around too much, you're gonna get Even hurt. Conor McGregor give you some. Conor McGregor, he didn't look bad against Floyd. He just was he just not a boxer. Yeah. Anyways, uh, moving on, we got you know we could be entering into a really prime stage of the heavyweight division this weekend on Danny Jacobs' card. Jarrell Big Baby Miller. Uh, you know he he put on a, a decent show, kind of a sloppy show, but he put on a decent show against the guy that he was fighting. And uh, and he came out of his face and said that Anthony Joshua is a mental midget. 
And he uh, he claims he can knock out the British superstar at any given moment. I mean, he just might knock him out walking down the street. I just feel like <laughs> for nothing. I just give it to him. First of all, everybody should quit acting like Anthony Joshua is not a good fighter. Everybody needs to cut that just, out. Just stop that. Just stop you know, that. Because he's a heavyweight champ for a reason. He beat Klitschko. Not like a Tyson Fury beat Klitschko. He actually beat no, Klitschko. He beat him into submission. Yes. And second of all, the heavyweight, I'm not impressed with the heavyweight division. There might be three good fighters, uh, four, four if you bet. How many are juicing? <laughs> all of them except for Joshua and your boy Murder. Deontay Wilder. <laughs> it's murder, boy. <laughs> you right. That's <laughs> <does> murder. <laughs> Man, you oh, put him so, in happy. Jail. Yeah. so happy we had the champ on. That yeah. is just something that I just literally cannot. Real highlight of the Ozone, folks. Uh, yeah, and you know what? It was great to see Danny Jacobs come out and dominate in his fight. His first fight on HBO. First fight with Matchroom Boxing and Eddie Hearn. He um, he He put in work. It was a 12-round fight, and he went the distance, punished the kid. The only reason it went 12 rounds is because the guy was running the whole night. Right. And he was running his mouth before. And you could even see after the fight, Danny didn't appreciate it. He didn't even give him a hug or look at him after the fight, and then he decided to, to, to break down because he's a nice guy. Yeah, but most of those guys take slick talk too far. And this is one of those situations where he did exactly that, and I think this lines Danny up nicely to figure out his next fight at to be a big-money fight against a big name. Danny Jacobs, I maintain, is, you know, second or third best middleweight in all of boxing. And uh, I don't know if he's better or worse than Canelo. I personally think when it comes to matching up against Canelo directly, I think he beats Canelo. I think that they may have different guys that go different ways, you know, because the styles make fights. But he definitely, I felt like he gave Gennady a much better fight than Canelo did. I don't even think that fight is competitive. I mean, Canelo and, yeah. and Danny? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, Danny's I, a superior athlete. He's got, he's a bigger guy. He has the, the reach. He has the power. And honestly, in that situation, him being a better athlete than actually Triple G is, I feel yeah. like Triple G is the better boxer, but Danny's the better athlete. He'll cut off the ring. Canelo would not be able to run, and Canelo would do something dumb enough to stand in there and slug with him, and he would get put to sleep. And he probably would get put to sleep in less than five rounds. Wow. I don't, wow. I don't know if I, and that's how I, I really feel. I, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the double truth, Ruth. I don't know if I feel that same way, but that's a thorough analysis. I think that it's a fight I'd like to see. Oh, I would like to see it just because I would like to see Canelo actually have to fight somebody because in this situation, like I said, he well, would, he had to fight Gennady. He had to, but he ran. And I feel like Danny Jacobs would give him, put him in a situation Physically. Yeah, that he wouldn't be able to outrun. Gotcha. Because if you cut off that ring, and even Triple G knows himself, if he cuts off that ring and puts him in a in a situation where he's got him pressed, then he's going to have to fight back. And that's exactly what he was running from. We're three weeks out. Lomachenko, Rigandau, who you got? It's hard to say, but I'll take Rigandau because Lomachenko really doesn't have that many fights. Yeah, he's just got a billion amateur fights, but he's he's the bigger man, which usually counts for something, but I like Rigandau a yeah. lot. Yeah. I like, the, I like the Cuban style of defense that they have, and they're very slick. I have a feeling also, we're going to see a lot of slick footwork yeah, on both that's parties. Yeah, and Lomachenko likes to uh, you know, flash and dash a little bit too much because I've seen a lot of great fighters who give you the flash and dash and get caught playing games. You like <laughs> Michael Nunn. And, you yep. know, and all these other guys that end up laying on the mat with their chin up. <laughs> it's an ugly look, right? It's a terrible look. Yeah. It's a terrible look. What is not a terrible look, moving into Major League Baseball, folks, this is the end of the road for Major League Baseball for the year. It's awards season, and we have some awards that have just come out. 
the Los Angeles Dodgers rookie Cody Bellinger, who didn't come up until I think late May, won Rookie of the Year honors. And that's a, a big accomplishment. Shout out to Big Blue. Shout out to Cody Bellinger. Hopefully he works Congrats. on himself in the uh, off season. Work on that slide piece. Inside. Because that inside slider is going to be coming at you a lot next year, young man. Um, and I believe he can make the adjustments. And, I mean, the way that he took the league by storm, hitting 40 bombs, set a National League record, 39 bombs in that short amount of time. He's got major league potential. Yeah. And and if they and if they make this move that they're talking about and getting Mike Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton in Los Angeles to hit behind him, this is a serious situation that could happen There's for Cody Bellinger. There's after Stanton, though, and he might end up in New York because New York is willing to pay whatever it takes to get him. They don't care I don't about luxury taxes and everything the else. The Dodgers payroll is higher than the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, so but, I don't, but, I don't but, think but that the, the Dodgers are willing to pay more you know, than the market is asking for. The Yankees are willing to do that because the Yankees are also in play for Otani over there in Japan. Yeah. And they like to stack their team, and they really don't care about a luxury tax, But so they'll pay whatever they have to pay to get what, you know, to, to get the job done, to get to the, the World done. Series. Yeah. Because that 20, Cause those 27 outs that they were away this time was just wasn't acceptable. Yeah, because you have Judge and Stanton in the same lineup. Come on, man. <laughs> that's a serious, but that's a lot of bombs. That's murder. <laughs> <laughs> that's murder. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, congratulations to the young man Aaron Judge for winning Rookie of the Year. Uh, I think the only the downside to that is that Ben Tendy had a wonderful year and actually may end up being a better ball player. But yeah, just came uh, up the wrong time. It came up the wrong time. Great season for Aaron Judge. I mean, set the record all time for rookie home runs. It's clean. He's clean. It's a beautiful situation. It's a yeah. real resurgence for the game. I love that. And in the uh, in the categories that remain, the MVP. I think it's pretty clear the MVP is going to be Jose Altuve. Um, but we'll see about that. Um, and and on the National League side, I don't know who you got a National League MVP. Oh, that's tough. It is tough. Come right? back to me. Okay, we'll come back to you. But what we can say right now, definitively, is is that uh, we have our American League Cy Young, ladies and gentlemen, and that man is Corey Kluber, which is pretty incredible to be honest, mm-hmm. because you know. Chris Sale had a monster season. Corey Kluber had a monster season, and he didn't even pitch the whole season, which is unbelievable. It, to me, which always actually, to me, makes you less, you know, liable. But not to me, because he put in the minimum amount of innings. Yeah, he, he still was, he was still and eligible. he was crazy dominant, and they went on that win streak that can, you know, can never be matched right now. That thing can be matched. That, that was <laughs> it unbelievable. can never be matched right now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's murder. <laughs> it is murder. <laughs> but yeah, but Corey Kluber, I mean... Forget about it. Corey Kluber is, he was... Dominant? Completely unhittable. When he first until, came out, yeah, he was unhittable when un- he first came back. Yeah, until the Yankees got to him in the postseason. Now, uh, Lou Severino had a monster season, and I wouldn't have been mad at any of the guys that, that would have been, you know, could have won. I think Chris Sale's historic fading, like he always does, uh, you know, late in, in into August and September, I think that hurt him this go-around, but he still punched out. A lot of dudes. Yeah, but is it about punch outs or is it about, you know, because Chris Sale got dug out too in the playoffs. It's not about the playoffs at all, actually. So that's, well, It's not that's, supposed to be, but that's, you know, but I have a strange feeling that it has a play in there. Because you do you really believe that these guys don't vote until after? I, so, I mean, from what they say, they don't. I know. They I, say said, they, they I say, ask you, did you believe that, though? Yeah, they say they vote before, you know, at the end of the regular season. I'm asking. <laughs> you can't have the uh, truth. I can't recall. I can't recall. <laughs> To me, National League uh, Cy Young, I, I think I'm going with Steven Strasburg this year. And I don't know who it's going to be. We'll know I, very shortly. Yeah, But I, I still haven't heard you answer the question. Do I believe that they vote afterwards? Yes. 
I diver. I think I'm going to go with the Jeff Sessions on this one. And uh, I can't necessarily recall <laughs> whether or not I met with a Russian fella. You, you. I had me some Russian vodka <laughs> when I was hanging out down and, at the outhouse. And I passed out. And then them boys, next thing I know, the sanctions was lifted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it always seems like it factors in, you know. Well, it Clayton always Kershaw, seems like 18 and four, two point three one ERA, two hundred two strikeouts and one hundred seventy five innings. That might be your MVP, dude. Uh, see, but this no, is what not I'm going to be your MVP. Might I be mean, your Cy Young. Cy Young. But what I'm saying is that now, I think that there's usually a backlash because I believe that they vote after the the, the playoffs and everything else. Right? You don't believe? And I don't believe. So in that, when they look and see that he didn't succeed in the World Series, they'll say, "Ah, oh, you know what? He didn't. He didn't really get it done. He didn't get it." Ooh, that, we don't know. We're going to find out shortly, but we'll be off the air, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we also wanted to give a massive congratulations on a wonderful career to world champion Carlos Beltran. Now, this is how you do it, folks. You step out a winner, and he left on a super high note. He had an incredibly positive influence on the team that he played on this year. He's calling it a career at a point that is, you know, he, he has nothing left to do. Yeah. What does, what does he have to prove? He has nothing left to prove. There's, there's, there's nothing left that he can br- prove, nothing else he can do. He's a champion. He holds records in the postseason. He's a stone-cold monster. And he was a five-tooler back in the day, and he was somebody that you didn't want to see in a big-time situation. Did not want to see him in a big-time situation. Just plain and simple. Although they threw that high cheese by him. <laughs> in game six. <laughs> and they jelly and Adam Wainwright jelly-legged him. Actually, yeah. actually they did want to see him at certain points. Wayne O'Gotti. Wayne O'Gotti as a closer jelly-legged yeah. him when he was on when the they were Mets. In New York. Yeah, I Ooh, remember that. Man, that was a vicious 3-2 curveball. Ah, come on. He couldn't even pull the trigger. Carved him. Carved. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for rocking with us here on the Ozone. We ran a little bit over, but we know you love us. So thanks for rolling with us. We're going to leave you uh, with a quote about wisdom. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, I want to tell you guys a quick funny story, but I'll save it for next week. The gist of it is, is I got bit by a stingray, but it's a really funny story. <laughs> and, I, and I live to tell. I live to tell the story. I'm here, but I did get bit by a baby stingray, and it really, really hurt. So back to the wisdom quote, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to leave you with some inspirational words, and let's see what it is today. Let's see what we're going to choose. We're going to say this. Life is not happening to you. Life is responding to you. You dictate what life hands you, folks. Be successful. Decide. Decide to be positive, generous, successful. We're all in this thing together. This is the Ozone. I am your host, Omar Miller. We'll see you next week. Ozone. Ozone.